So welcome, one, welcome all to the Back in the Gap podcast. I am Joey, joined by my co-hosts, Travis and Josh. And uh, we are about to get into a topic of high controversy. This is true. We've been of. discussing this for like what 15 20 minutes before we hit record. <laughs> I know. And we were and bit. we were just ultimately like okay, yeah. we need to hit record Wait, and get to this. Is this is not even a discussion that just happened um, yeah. right now. This is like yeah. one we've had multiple times. This yeah. is yeah, this is something that we've we've talked about a lot throughout our friendship. And that is um well, we're entitling this episode The Potential Dangers of Church Camps/Retreats. Um I think an alternate title may be what is the role of a church camp slash retreat? And um, what we're talking about here is, for us, growing up in student ministry, we went to different church camps. Like, we didn't go to the same camp every year, right? We went to uh, four four main camps, and we're not going to name any, any names here. We had to clarify off camera. We went to three camps and a mission camp, mission trip. We can get into semantics on that. Sure, but uh, the point is, we kind of got a, a good variety of what different organizations were doing and how they were structuring things, what their goals were, and what, um, how how they went about doing those things, right? And when I say goals, um, I mean there were certain camps that were focused on salvations, there were certain camps that were focused on edification, um, there were certain camps that were focused on um, just really. Maybe less so edification in terms of encouragement, but more like spiritual growth. Like we're just going to hit you with a lot of like learning, right? And, and so through all these, I think that we we kind of have different opinions on what the role of these camps should be, um, and for those goals, how they should go about doing it. Uh, and and what we're also including in here retreats. Um, now, all of us have been to only our church's retreats. Yeah. Um, for students, young adult, uh, men's. And, and so there's going to be less discussion because... It's kind of subjective to just our church. Yeah, it's and, our church. And the way that they structure and, it. And we've only seen how our church does it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for camps, uh, we went to different uh, kinds. So let's let's kind of get into it. I think that um, kind of where we, we normally start our discussion is cry night. Uh, and so mm. let's kind of define what cry night looks like. And... Um, for for one of the church camps that we went to for three years, um, he's doing the math in his head. You mean two? Two years and the mission trip version of that camp. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> the way this camp was structured, uh, it was it was definitely geared so toward salvations above all else was kind of their goal. Um, and so cry night was essentially you have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you have your, your worship set, your sermon, and, and it kind of all builds around Thursday night. And Thursday night was co- colloquially known as cry night yeah. because it, it basically put all of the students in an environment where they wanted kids to make decisions. Yep. And they wanted kids to be emotional in order to make those decisions. And and so it would not be a typical worship and sermon set. You might have a couple of slower songs but then instead of a sermon, it was, okay, here's these walls. You're going to go out with an, like an expo marker and like write down answers to these really hard-hitting questions on these walls. And there's going to be really somber, sad music. Everyone's like kind of huddled together around one another. There's these different stations. And that was kind of how these Thursday nights were set up. And for me personally, I, I, 
I took issue to that. I disagreed with what was going on. Uh, I, I do want to clarify here. I don't think that there was any malicious intent mm-hmm. from the directors of this camp um, or for our, you know, more on the corporate side, like the people who were, you know, running this camp. Um, I, I don't think that they were trying to be malicious in this. Um, but I'm of the opinion that getting someone in a super emotional, vulnerable state and then really encouraging them to make a decision for Christ is a bad idea because what you have done is you have cared so much about the decision and you have not set them up for spiritual growth moving forward. And um, with a lot of these camps, like it was, well, Thursday night's crying out. You made a decision. That's great. Friday night, we're going to do the mass mess. We're going to do the relay race. We're going to do the the organized mass chaos, whatever it is. And then, and then you go home. Sorry. And I kind of felt that that really that really soured my view on so, some of these camps because you built up to this decision. You said, "All right, good job, leave." And I think that that's not the role that church camp should play because you you don't know you don't know what soil that seed is just sprouted out of, right? Yeah. And if you're not equipping these people to continue to grow in the faith, well, they're just going to get back home, live out their normal life, and then they're going to get saved again next year. That was something that we saw somewhat a decent bit was like, man, it's crazy. It's your fourth time getting saved. I'm really happy for you, but but it's hard for me to respect that decision because I don't know your heart. And based on the past, I don't know if this is something genuine. And I hope that it is, but man, this is just not where I see this going, you know? So that's kind of my introduction as to what cry night is, and and, and we'll kind of discuss that um, because Josh has a very differing view. Is it, yeah. is it my turn? To what, to what that, that been, night entailed. I've been itching. <laughs> I've seen you over there. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So... My my opinion of what cry night is and more or less what it's supposed to be is kind of the accumulation throughout the entire week, the leading up from the beginning of the week to this point, like you said, usually on Thursday night, which is towards the end of the week. We usually go home on, was it Friday or Saturday that we went home? It was normally Saturday morning you would go home. Yeah, Saturday morning we'd pack up and leave. So Thursday night was one of the last nights that, uh, that we would have this worship-type setting. Um, so in my mind, cry night was meant to be like this build-up, where you've been invested in this entire week, and then you come to this point where everything that you've been taught, everyone who's invested in you kind of leads up to this one moment. And I don't, I don't see a world where it's possible for someone to make it, for, especially for teenage people, to make a decision like that without, like, snot and tears coming out every, fa- every part of your face, right? Like, it, and for, those, for a lot of those kids, it's a big decision. Um, a lot of it is cultural, but, you know, you have some of those kids, they come from very harmful homes. They come from a lot of different walks of life, and it's a very hard decision for them to come to a realization that there is a God out there that loves them. It's going to get emotional no matter what you do. Um, I don't know. For me, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with it being emotional. As far as the follow-up afterwards, um, I don't think that's for the the camp to 
I don't think that's the camp's responsibility. I think that's the responsibility of the church that brought them there. I think that's the responsibility of the youth pastor and the older students in that youth group to follow up afterward and make sure they're still being invested in, because ultimately that's going to where they're where they're going to continue to go. Right? Camp may be like a six-hour drive for them. Other churches might be even further away from that in other directions. Um, if they're going to be continued to be invested anywhere, it's going to be in the church that brought them to camp. It's going to be in the in that group of young people that brought them to camp. So ultimately, that follow-up, that lead-up after that important decision should be in the hands of responsible student pastors, responsible leaders of local churches. Um, so that's my take on Cry Night. I think that it's important. I don't think that... I don't think that it's possible to come to those kind of decisions without being emotional. I don't think it's possible to come to a, a decision that there is a God out there who loves you, no matter what you've done and no matter what life circumstance you come from. I don't think it's possible to have that realization without some emotions following. I'm really glad that you brought that up, Josh, because I, I think you're absolutely right. You, that That is not a decision that you can make on, on pure logic, right? Yeah. I think that uh, apologetics are important. Defending the Bible um, is important in terms of, like, this is something that we can trust is reliable and consistent across time. Yeah. But if all you have is head knowledge, you can't make a decision. Right. And so I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose you this. I think that the decision-making itself is what should spur up emotions. Sure. And the problem that I have is that what they're doing is they're, they're saying— well, we can bring you the emotions. Now you make the decision. Mm. And I think that that might be a little backwards. And I've never thought about it that way until you just brought that that point up. But I think that that's kind of where my issue lies, is yeah. that, yeah, it that is an de- emotional decision, but these emotions are artificial and brought about by the environment you're in, sure. not by the decision you might be making. Sure, and I think you kind of have to, whenever you're in a leadership position like that, let, let's say you're organizing a camp and you're trying to set up the worship set or how things are going to look, how things are going to appear, whether you're going to have, like, the fog lights and all this kind of stuff, you know, you have to discern what is going to be emotionally manipulative and what is leading people through the Spirit. I think there's yeah. a difference between, um, you know, just welling up emotions inside somebody and leading somebody spiritually through worship. I think it's very important to lead people spiritually through worship. I think we've witnessed that in the past through our most recent camps that we've gone through. I, I think it's very, very cool to see, to look out and see a band who genuinely loves doing worship and seeing all of these young people being influenced by the spirit of those leaders. Because if you're a believer, you're going to be a Christian, right? You're going to have the Holy Spirit. And for a lot of those kids that come to camp, they're going to have that as well. That spirit unifies us. That spirit um, brings us together. You know, we were talking about a passage um, earlier across the street with our students talking about how, I think it was in John chapter 17, talking about how we're, um, it was Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying for future believers in him as well as the current believers. He was saying how he desires for them all to be one, how him, how Jesus and the Father are one, and how we and Jesus are one. Therefore, we we are all one. And through the Holy Spirit, we have that oneness. Through that oneness, we experience oneness in worship. We, ex- we experience this communion, um, which also gets emotional. It's an incredible thing to see a bunch of people in a room agreeing together in worship. That gets emotional. I think that is an incredible thing to see. I think that is great. I think that is what 
quote-unquote cry night should be geared toward is that kind of emotion that wells up through the spirit of god sure emotional manipulation through just the the sheer process of being like playing some somber music all right go out there with your tears um i don't think that that's the right approach sure but i don't think it's possible to go throughout a week of camp and not have that kind of night where you sort of accumulate everything that you've brought up throughout the week of week of camp together into this one focal point and then make a decision from there see i'm going to have to oh gosh see i don't entirely disagree sure. see that's the issue here is like i'm not it's hard for me to be like i completely disagree or completely understand cuz like there are multiple variables which yeah. I agree with and disagree with. That's fine. And I guess for me, the main thing about it is, I guess for this camp that we were talking about earlier, this previous camp we went to, uh, the main issue I took care of uh, with it was the fact that it was very like, here's your station, here's your next station, here's your next station, here's your next station. It was very like, it was very much so like putting the blinders on, having you focus on this thing we want you to focus on, and it was just like leading you down this path uh, that you may not even be like fully contemplating on your own. And so like you're building off of the emotions around you and the emotions of the thing that is set up. And like these emotions may just be a mimicry of what's around you and not a genuine emotion within yourself. Are you talking about the whiteboard thing? I'm not necessarily just with that, but like a lot of these like kind of things. Yeah. Like these very, very like set up kind of somber task oriented things. Gotcha. gotcha. Tend to be very, very like, like Joey said earlier, we here, we are giving you the emotions. And so it seems to be more of like, this is the appropriate, like, people have this response because this is the appropriate response you're supposed to have, not necessarily the response that you may actually be feeling or the response that you're actually coming to on your own. And so that's also, I know we've had this discussion with, like, worship as well. Yeah. Because, like, I myself can get very caught up in, or, or I myself am a very, like, distractive person, um, like, I prefer sitting closer up front because if I sit further back, I'm going to be looking at everybody. Mm. And and you, for you, it makes sense because you mentioned, like, you are further encouraged uh, through the spirit of worship by seeing other people worshiping. Yep. But for me, I don't, I guess I just, it's hard for me to focus on God at that point in time. I'm just focusing on the people themselves. Like, oh, Oh, this person is having this res- this response. Oh, like individuals. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, also, I guess what I'm, whenever you look at them, you see the spirit moving. And so, what I look, look at them, I just see humanity. I just see like the human themselves. Mm. I don't necessarily perceive the same thing you do. And I guess that's just more of an individual thing. But like for me, that manifested in having more of the opinion of like, okay, worship shouldn't be distractive. It also shouldn't be trying to um, lay out the emotions for you or, like, lay out the uh, the energy level for you or lay out that thing. You should have that. Allure. And I understand. For someone who may not 
you know, be a very strong point spiritually, uh, it may be very, very difficult for them to actually get into the full spirit of worship. Uh, However, I think, I, I don't think, I think people can get caught up in mimicking what is around them. Sure. And rather than like genuinely having that experience themselves. And I guess, I guess I'm just saying that like things and decisions should be made to try and minimalize mimicry uh, and, and kind of like the mob, I guess, the mob mentality yeah. of these things and make sure that it's more of an individual choice uh, rather than just like something that people are responding to based off of the environment and the people around them. Um, and it's more of an external thing and an internal thing. Yeah, you know, and, and that's why you have worship leaders, right? You have people that are supposed to direct that experience for them, you know, because like you said, not everybody's going to be as spiritually in tune um, as, you know, maybe somebody sitting next to you, which is why you have people that are there that are supposed to guide you through that process, you know, and some are better than at it than others. But, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I think that... um. You know, something you mentioned was a lot of the, the mimicking others. And uh, I think that that's something that, you know, camps that we've been to in more recent times do a very good job of, of like, hey, if you need to make a decision, all the leaders are in the back. Yep. Go talk to them one-on-one. Whereas, you know, some of these camps that I I disagree with their methods a little bit, it's like, make a decision right here in front of everybody while you're crying. Because... Once again, I think that f- I think that feeds into uh, almost like a fear of missing out type mentality. Yeah. Of like, oh, you see, well, this person and this person is making a decision. I guess I should do that, and it's really emotional. Um, but no, I think that uh, I, I I agree with a lot of, of, of what you said, Travis. Um, and I and, and I think that you know having having that distinction in 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 worship is important. Uh, and and having a lot of it does come down to you know good leadership right because yeah. I, I don't once again I, I want to reiterate that none of us think that anyone has been malicious across mm-hmm. time no um, but just having someone who's going to be more experienced and 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 know how to um, maybe direct students worship how to how to you know get them to 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 let go of whatever they're thinking of to to surrender their heart fully to God through worship right. Um, is important. You're smirking a little bit. You have a dude, point? The, the band that we've had the past two couple of camps have been awesome. Oh, yeah. They, they've been really good at that. Love that band. I think it's technically past three, right? They've been doing it since at least 2015. I hadn't been to the past three, so I can't say. Oh. They've been doing it since at least 2015 at that camp. Really? Yeah. So technically 2015 now, right? was my first camp. Travis, I don't know how you got from 2015 to 2023 with only four years. Well, we didn't go in 2015. Okay, we did. I was there. Y'all were not students. Here's, okay. the, here's the point. If they were there then and they're there okay, now, I didn't realize we're presuming they fill well, in the spots. I was, the I was not thinking 2015. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> we're getting off topic. Um, but so I think that we've kind of we've kind of come to a a place of maybe not agreement, but we all understand where we're at. Yeah. And um, I think there are some points that we do actually agree on, but because of semantics, we disagree. Yeah. Um, and I think that's okay. And I think that I think that where we're at is good. 
but something we were talking about before the podcast that I'm very interested to 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 dive into. Um, I said, and I'll stand behind this. I don't think the point of church camp should be salvations. I don't think that should be the goal. And and Josh, you seem to vehemently I disagree with completely me. completely and utterly disagree with that. I'll let you go first and explain why you think it should be about salvations. Well, if we're if you're going to do a large group uh, event like that, right? You know, past camp we had like what seven hundred kids. Uh, Maybe less than that. Honestly, I could spit out a number, but I have genuinely no clue. General, general, we've had hunt. We there's typically hundreds of kids that come yes. to this camp, right? There is no way on earth every single one of those kids has come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I agree. If camp is not directed towards bringing those kids to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it is worthless, and there is no point in doing it. You can get edification for those who do have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but why do we do camp if it's not to bring those kids away from hell? Because the reality is, if they do not come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, which we have an opportunity to do there, they are going to hell. Period. And we have an opportunity to change that. And that's the most important thing we can do there if we have kids there that have not come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if we have that opportunity, that means that needs to be the main focal point of camp. And there's literally nothing you could say that would make me change my mind. <laughs> uh, see, John, I, I don't think I will change your mind. Yeah, sorry, go I ahead. I've got a very good point right now. Oh, at least I think it's a good point. I could be wrong, but... Just all right. So you just mentioned that these kids, uh, if they don't accept Christ, um, will be going to hell. Yes. Um, however, I don't, and I, I realize I know you didn't mean it like this, but I mean hell is not like not going to hell is not the point of salvation. The point of salvation is to foster a re- and gain a relationship with our Father. And so, same difference. I'm, well, no, it, it's not. It's a see. Salvation is not just the like the avoiding of hell. Yes, it, it is the you know it's mainly the fostering and gaining the relationship with our Father. And yes, gaining a relationship with our Father does keep us away from that place. But the, it the getting the salvation. The point of salvation is not just. To not go to hell. It's a big part of it, though. It is a big part. It is not the main point, though. And I think, like, that's where, kind of, I guess, where we're coming from, me and Joey, I think. Okay, so how does that that discredit the point that I made? Well, I'm not saying it discredited it. I'm just saying, like, the fostering of a relationship with our Father, that is the point of camp, in my opinion. However, whatever that may look like, we can have no kids come to know Jesus Christ, but those who do are just have that much more of a fostering and that are that much closer with their Lord. I think that is infinitely valuable. Just because no one gets saved does not mean that the camp is worthless. Yes, it does. No, it does not. It, it I does. think that's wild, man. 
I think any growth towards if you're I, here's my opinion. If you're going to have something that is specifically for fostering the relationships of people who already know Jesus Christ, it needs to be on a much smaller scale. I'm not saying that's the only goal. Why? Because then you're able to get much deeper and more intimate with those individual people, understand what their needs are, understand what they need to do in order to foster and grow that relationship more. If you're if you're organizing a group, six, seven hundred kids, there is no way on earth that all of them are going to have, like I said before, there's no way on earth that the, all of them are going to have that relationship with God to begin with that you're talking about that's so important. If they don't have that relationship with Christ, if they don't have that relationship with the Father, that needs to be the first priority is making sure that they do have that relationship. Otherwise, there is no point in doing it. Which is, okay, I'm going to jump off two things you said. One, you said that if you want to have something that is to build up believers sure you want to have edification you want you, you want to build up those who are already saved yeah it should be on a smaller scale so that you're able to know them more personally and have you know where are they struggling how can I how can we reach specific needs correct and I would say all of that but for the non-believers I think that that has to be such a, a more personal relationship I I don't think that the environment for that is this corporate huge event. And I'm not saying it necessarily has to be either, but if you are going to have a corporate huge event, I'm just saying it can't be specifically for people who are already believers. Sure. Oh, yeah. Because I I think that, you know, conversions, I think in general, we misunderstand the Great Commission. It's not about conversions. It's about making disciples. You can convince anybody to say a prayer. Sure. Yeah. But that, and if all you've done is convince them to do a thing, someone else can convince them right out of it. Sure, but that's not a true conversion then. No. But I but think I, that's the point. But I want to I, I do want to make I want to make a distinction about my language. Sure. When I say that a church camp is only focused on salvations or only focused on conversions, I mean they're only focused on a kid making a t- decision like that. Not, whether it's making weird. a decision regardless of how they follow through. Gotcha. So you're saying that they're focused on making sure the kid says the right words in the prayer and not necessarily having a true relationship. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. I, I do want to clarify that because there's no way for them to know if it was a true conversion, right? So, so let me jump into another thing you said. You said, um, oh, no, I missed it. Oh, 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 um, I don't know what you said, but I remember what I was going to say in response to it. One thing that I really appreciated about the most recent camp that we went to, yeah, and, and this is the first year that I remember them doing it in this way. Monday night, they gave the gospel presentation. Yeah, Monday, the first night we're there, they said, "If you need to get saved, go do that now. Yeah, right now." And then we have the whole rest of the week to build you up and prepare you and disciple you. Yeah, not that discipleship can happen in a week. However, I think that that is a much better model for the for those who go who are not believers. They're just going with a friend. That is such a better model in my mind, at least. Where once you're done with the week, you've made the decision, and then you have all these tools. Sure. Whereas with the other one, it's we've built up to this decision, and then there's no time to build further upon it, and and you're going home. And it's at that point, it's just left to the churches, which you would say is their responsibility. Yes. And I'm in agreement. 
because discipleship does have to be a much longer thing. But where I disagree on, I don't think that a camp should be necessarily con- concerned as their top priority. <laughs> how many sinners' prayers can we get out this week, boys? You know how how many how how many kids can we get to say that they, they they're going to make a decision? I think that's a priority, but much further than that is building up the kids because sure. what you have is 700 kids that went to camp and thousands who didn't. Sure. And so you have this event where you have people who are to some extent churched. There are a, a handful who have never experienced anything church-wise and are just at camp, but a lot of your kids are either saved or they've been to church and they're kind of involved or like their parents go to this church. Most of the kids are a part of the visible church, if you will. Sure. Right? Um, the cultural church. Yes. Uh, but also some are involved are in the church in a more spiritual, spiritual sense. sense. Yeah. yeah. You have a whole week to pour in these kids, build them up, prepare them to then go out to the world. Sure. It's I'm not going to be able to reach some high school kid I don't know. I'm not just going to waltz up to our local high school and be like, hey, kids, you guys want to hear the gospel? Like, I can't just, like, do that. Sure. That's an environment where, like, I'm just not a part of anymore, right? But you have all these high school kids who can be built up and edified, and they have all this experience. They have all these connections. Uh, One thing I like about our camp that we go to these days is it's with other churches within the area. Yeah. So these are not connections that you're just going to lose. These connections could actually stay and and, and build yeah, each no, other up. Like not the family. And then, sorry. I'm I'm not done. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm not done. Then there is action afterwards. Yeah. It's not camp staff is fulfilling the Great Commission to the hundred or so odd kids that showed up and aren't saved. It's you've got an army of six hundred kids who are now ready to go fulfill the Great Commission in their lives. And I think that that is more important. And that is where I see the role of church camp. Interesting. So I'll I'll let you respond to that. So I do like what you said about... um, about the the community that brought, I was gonna, I was just gonna say, you know, my the family group that I led at camp this past this past camp that we they still text each other like to this day. Yeah. You know, we started a group chat and they, they still talk to each other, which I think is awesome. But which is um, very impressive, hmm? which is very impressive. Yeah, well, you know, I was has not had a text. Yeah. I was I was about to left. send them a text today. I, they haven't texted in a while, so I was gonna send them a text today. But yeah, I was gonna say something. You were saying the community aspect is important and that you can see that within our kids. Um. I was talking about why I think that it's more important to equip students to fulfill the Great Commission rather than camp staff. Just do it. Sure. So, yes, that is a great opportunity to do that, and I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. I think that's a great thing, but I think that is... I think that's secondary. Mm. That is secondary to taking advantage of the opportunity of kids there at that moment, there and now, who do not know Christ. I think that is secondary to build up believers that are already secured in exchange for not giving as much attention to people who do not know Christ. 
See, I don't think here, and y'all have kind of gone back and forth a little bit on this, but I think I don't think there should be any distinction between okay, there's more attention on people on those who don't know Christ. There's more attention on those who do. I don't think there should be any distinction on that. I think the attention is on everyone equally. The intention like the distinction should not there should not be a distinction on like oh, we should put more focus on unbelievers or we should put more focus on believers. I think unbelievers and believers go. I mean, that's just the reality. And then everyone needs to be fostered the same, like, equally. Maybe that's that's why we have a message that's more focused on salvation. That's why we have messages that are more focused on, like, on the commission, things like that. I think that everyone needs to be fostered equally, and that's what I meant earlier by saying that, like, regardless of whether or not you're saved, the goal should be to bring you clo- to bring you closer to Christ, wherever you are, whether you have no relationship with Christ or whether you do. The goal as a whole should just be to, to bring everyone who's there closer to Christ. And there shouldn't just be, I don't think there should be any like distinctive goal of those who are unbelievers closer to Christ, have a relationship with Christ. Those who are believers cl- are more focused towards the Great Commission. I think all of those things are important, but none of them is more important than the other. They're all equally important. Okay. So, to clarify, I'm not saying that you should give less attention to building up people who are currently believers, right? Yeah, and I didn't I say that did. I don't think that... Sounds cro- like that's what you're saying. I don't think that camp should be what that's for. I think he's talking he's talking about within the realm of camp. Yeah, I know. What, so I don't, what do, you I, do you agree with him or not? I, I think that if you're going to do a large-scale church camp, the main focus should be offering of salvation. Not saying that numbers is something that you should shoot for. Not saying that you should go for, like, the most kids saved ever. If one kid out of, like, those hundreds of kids that comes, if one kid comes to a knowledge of Jesus Christ throughout that entire week, the entire camp was worth it. All of the money spent, all of the time spent, all of the efforts put into it, all of it was worth it if just one kid comes to say, I'm not saying that numbers is the thing you should shoot for. I'm saying that salvation, period, it should be the number one thing that you should shoot for. If you're wanting to go for discipleship and preparing to go out into the world, I think it should be longer than a week, first off. I think it should be um, on a smaller scale as well. See, I, I, and I'm sorry to cut you off, one thing you said earlier, and I'm going to give you a chance to back out on it if you want. You said if no kid gets saved, it doesn't matter. The whole thing was worthless. I mean, do you still stand on that point? Because I for feel a, like for a camp, for a camp, for a large scale yeah. camp, I think it, I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it could have been if you're mainly focusing on just discipleship, then, then yeah. Now, I would say, what about if you're focusing on both equally? If if any kids come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the camp was worth it, I would okay, say. what if they don't? Then why have camp? I'm jumping in in your place. <laughs> because you, assuming it was, because I, I'm agreeing with Travis in the sense that, like, you should not ignore those who are not saved, obviously. Yeah, and I'm not saying that you should either. Yeah, if if you have spent a week building up believers, sure, 
who were weak in their faith, who were new in their faith, and now they have these these new friends who are going to encourage them. They have these these new connections. They have they have a different knowledge of they have a different view of the scripture. They are going to be so much more inclined to then spread the gospel to those that they know. The impact of a camp is not limited to the salvations that happen during those six days. It has such a larger impact, right? Sure. You think about even our experiences. We would not be, not to say anything, you know, poorly on our student ministry. We were obviously built up in different ways. Yeah. But, you know, for me, I had, well, I had six camps. Thank you, COVID. But, like, six years at camp. And I'll say this. I think all of them were encouraging and edifying. I don't think any of them ignored me to focus on decision-making. There are things about my life that would be different if I was not able to get that encouragement from those camps. There, And it might be to the point where I'm I'm weaker in my faith and less apt to share, right? Whereas now I have this experience from these camps, and they've built me up as a believer, and they've encouraged me more, and I want to fulfill the Great Commission more. Yeah, I think that if you lock camp to the scope of six days, and then once camp is over, nothing else matters, sure, salvations are incredibly important. But, I mean, I can see in my life the impact that these camps have had on me, these retreats, these these mission trips, you know, whatever you want to call them, these different conference event-type things where it is this large scale. I think that encouragement and edification, even if I were to yield to your point, I think calling a camp worthless if no one gets saved is kind of crazy. Okay. I'm going to bring this up again, though. There is no way that you're going to have a large-scale camp like that where you're going to have non-believers. So if you have a large-scale camp like that and your output is no one comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. To me, that that tells you didn't care. To me, that tells you did not care about the kids. If if you're having a large-scale camp like this, to me, that, that tells that not enough care was put into ministering to the kids. Because there is no way that you're going to have a large-scale camp like that where unbelievers are coming in. And you can just specifically and intensely focus on discipleship of those who are already believers. I see what you're saying, and I kind of understand what Josh is saying. Josh is coming from a more of like a... You're coming from a hypothetical point of view. I'm coming from Josh saying realistic like Statistically, point that's not going to happen. Yeah. But I also think... That, that's a, I, I, I can't put myself in that frame of mind because I'm sure there has to be a camp somewhere across the nation, somewhere across time, where there were people in charge who genuinely prayed over this event and really put everything they could into this. And maybe there were no salvations at the camp, but the impact of it is so much larger. I, I think it's dangerous to say that not enough care was put into it. And and I am totally dealing with hypotheticals right now, and, and I and I and I do get what you're saying, and I and I agree to an extent, but I I, I just I, I I don't personally want to stand behind a statement like that. Okay, 
Interesting. Can I get my piece now? Yes. Anyway, so I feel like each of you are kind of you're you're making different points about almost like about like in supporting those different points entirely differently as well. Um, I understand what Josh is saying. Like, I totally understand what he's saying, actually. Like, once he started to explain it more, I understood more. He's saying, like, statistically, with a camp that large, if absolutely no one, like, comes to accept Christ, you should really do some self-reflection. Yeah. And maybe it was. Maybe there's some outlier way out there that just, like, happened to, there happened to be a great leadership and happened to be great thought put into it, and it just didn't happen. I think I think Josh is just saying like yeah maybe that could happen but like I think what Josh is saying is like if that does happen you should seriously look at what look at the camp and really really consider th- things yeah and then also but also I will say just because that didn't happen doesn't make it worthless because you don't know the seeds that could have been planted just because somebody didn't get saved at camp doesn't mean that they won't be a month later once they've been consistently going to church because they've built those relationships with those people in that youth group. One in a week, yeah, someone's not going to go from just like completely wishy-washy church cultural church member to fired up for Christ and just going and doing the Great Commission. Yeah, no, maybe not. Probably not. Actually, no. But that doesn't mean that that week doesn't make so much of an impact on them. Build those relationships with both their peers, leaders, peers from other churches that they may know from school or work or things like that, or just any number of things. The like the material that they're going through, every, like worship, everything. There's just because someone doesn't come to know Christ doesn't mean that all of that stuff that's going on isn't as important because it also makes a lasting impact on them whenever they go back where they're more inclined to engage with their new friends at youth camp and they're there more and more and more and here more and more and more and their relationship with god is becomes better and better and better Mm. i think yes i understand what you're saying there needs to be so there like definitely needs to be evidence and fruit of the labor of that camp. But also, I don't think that saying that one thing is more important is the right mindset because the like we shouldn't just vote fo- like saying that there is a primary focus means that you're looking at something without looking at the other thing. Not necessarily. If just for a moment. If just for a moment. Not necessarily. Okay, yeah, if something's primary, yeah, we're no. I'm just saying, if something's primary, that means you look at it first, then you look at the other thing. Yes, sure. Which I don't think is the right approach. I think the right approach is looking at everything as a whole, and I think that our camp does this really well. Everything is built off everything else. Like you go, like the whole day is kind of mapped out in a way that every single Okay, obviously you have free time, but every single thing going on during the day 
builds off of itself and it like rolls off of itself. So it's not just about, you know, salvations. It's like, that's not the primary goal. The primary goal is whoever you are, whatever you've gone through, whatever you're dealing with, come closer to Christ. Yeah. Whether you're unsaved or not. And I think that's the right mindset to have is not so much because with that mindset, with the mindset of just like reaching those who are unsaved, a lot of people in the church, especially cultural Christians, think that they're saved when they're not. And if the goal is more so about reaching those people who we know are unsaved, those people who, if that's your primary focus and you're putting less attention on those who are saved, then those people who or those people who are saved, those people who are like holding on with everything they are to convince like basically gaslighting themselves into thinking that they're saved. If the primary goal wasn't just to bring you closer to Christ, whoever you are and wherever you are, they may not like come to that point of realization, hey, I I can't get closer to Christ because I'm still not willing to repent. Well, yeah, but that that's the main point of it as well. Anybody who is not saved, right? That's mm-hmm. that should be what we're striving for, what we're shooting for. Which I think I think you're I think both of y'all are trying to get to that point as well, but you're thinking more of like a long-term basis than just the week of camp. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the point that you're y'all are coming from is it is building believers up through camp so that they can be sent out and then make bring people to Jesus Christ on their own basis outside of camp. Is that is that what you're saying? Yes. Not I think that as Christians me. for me for me I think that as Christians the great commission is is our highest calling. Yeah. I think I that the greatest commandment love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. The great commission is not a commandment per se. You have those two and then if you want to throw in third, right? Like the great commission should be a huge focus in our life. Yeah, and you know, that's part of this the second greatest is lo- loving your neighbor. In order to love your neighbor, you're yeah. going to show him Christ. And and part of it is loving God yeah. because Jesus said if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. Yeah. And so I think that if I'm hypothetically leading a camp, I have access to 600 people who are churched to some extent. Yeah. Especially in this What culture. is going to have the biggest eternal impact on the kingdom? Sure. In my mind, that is similar to what Travis is saying. We want to bring everyone closer to Christ. We want to build up. We want to encourage. The focus is not on the conversion. It is, yes, let's get you Monday night. Let's have the gospel presentation. If you need to be saved, if you've not come to you know salvation in Christ, let's get that over with. That, that puts it down a little bit. It's way more important than that, obviously. But the focus is to equip you to go out and share with others. If you're not saved, okay, let's let's handle this. And not in there, but equip you. That's my perspective. See, I think that if you don't take advantage of that opportunity then and now, where you have those non-believers there, then you're, you're missing out on a big opportunity. And so... I think that um, I think we've gotten a little off base. Yeah, I, I think so. 
And if we go back to the original question that was posed, what are the potential dangers with church camp? Where I'm at is still at a place of comparing these different camps that we've gone to across time. And I think that for a camp that makes the big focus night Thursday where it gets you emotional to make a decision, I think that that has less of an impact on the kingdom than a camp that is going to, yes, worry about salvation, but more so worry about equipping everyone there to go out. Um, you understand what I'm trying to convey here? I think so. You're saying it's more important to equip the people who are already believers no, to go no, out no. and share the gospel on their own basis. No. I'm saying it's important to equip everyone. Okay. okay. So oh, okay. a camp I, I, that I, yeah, has I, the focus on f- cry night yeah. is focused on the decision sure, and is not focused on the equipping, right? Sure. It just inherently can't. You can't equip someone who was saved Thursday night on Friday. Which is why you have the follow-up, right, with the churches. Yes. However, a camp that is focused on equipping those first, you may see less conversions. You probably will see less conversions in terms of, you know, numbers. However, I think that the conversions that you do see are going to be more real. You're going to see people actually come to a saving knowledge of Christ, not make a decision out of emotions. And and when I say that, just clarify from earlier, the decision is emotional, but the, the emotions come from the decision. Yeah, not, I, I think it all comes down to how it's conducted yes, and how what, it's conducted. what you're focusing, kind of like so, what we talked about earlier. Yeah, we don't want it to be emotional manipulation, but we, you do have to be in in the right you know sure. environment. Um. But I think that equipping everyone, first of all, those who are unsaved and maybe maybe they're opposed, they're going to see what real Christian community looks like. They're going to see what Christians ought to be doing. Sure. And that is going to give them a great perspective of, well, this is who I could be. Okay. And also, for those who are saved, they're going to be more equipped to fulfill the Great Commission. Yeah. And so... I think I misunderstood your premise at first. I thought you were saying that you shouldn't worry about reaching those who aren't saved and that you should solely focus on building up those who are currently saved. I thought no, that's no, what no. We, I thought that's what your premise was. But I'll also still give you this. If you don't see a salvation within your 6-day camp, but you still built up those who came, I think that's a great camp. Yeah. I think that you're doing great work. I, I don't think I can get behind that. You should also, you should celebrate salvations, but it, I, I want to phrase this correctly because I think it is something that is difficult. You should not go in with the expectation of, well, we're here's our goal number. We're trying to hit this many salvations, and if we don't, it's a failure. Yeah, and I'm I'm not saying it should be that way either. You are. No, I You are. I Your know. goal is one. Yeah. Sure. But you're but you're saying what I'm saying you shouldn't do. Okay. There well, should be no expectation. There certainly should. If you if you have a salvation, that's awesome. If you have multiple, that's awesome. If you don't but you've still equipped those to go out and spread the gospel, 
That's awesome. You absolutely should not go into something like that without having an expectation of, okay, we need to reach people for Christ. That is the goal. Yes. You're saying you shouldn't have that goal. The, the goal, it's not just... Josh, not every time it's that you have It's not just a, the six days. It's so much further. You, you can reach so many more people. If I may interject... Just because we've been going for an hour, by the way. I know, yeah. I know, I know. Have, no. Just because you have a goal does not mean okay. Just because you don't meet a goal doesn't mean that you didn't have the goal in the first place. Because sure, but he's saying you shouldn't have the goal to begin with. No, that's not what he's saying. That's, he's saying that's what he said. Okay, the goal is to have salvations. The goal isn't to have. The goal is to make disciples. Okay. Clear. Yes. And in that, salvation, it that's part of making disciples. Yes. But it's not limited to salvations. Making disciples is also li- also includes those people who are lukewarm in the church. Sure. And so any improvement on making disciples is a movement in the right direction. I was I was trying to find a, a verse earlier. I, I promise I was paying attention attention to you when I was looking down here. I'm trying to find wherever that verse says that there is more celebration among the angels of heaven for one sinner who repents than a believer. I can't remember the exact wording of it. I, I, I need to find where that that passage is. Let's see. I know what you're referring to. Um, okay, it's in Luke chapter 15. Yeah, I found it. In verse 10. So this is, uh, I'll let you read the verse, kind of introduce it. We're, we're, you have a, a couple of parables here, parable of lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, and parable of the prodigal son, um, which all, all of these are kind of something was, was, was taken away, and it's, being, it's been found, right? Something was lost, it's been found. The prodigal son, the prodigal son turns away and then comes back. So if, if you want to read your verse here. This isn't the exact one I was looking for, but yeah. It says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angel of heaven over one sinner who repents. And the the whole premise of it is, you know, she had this bag of coins, right? And she lost one. She's trying to find it, and she finds it. And she gets this whole party together, and they have this big celebration. It's great that she has the ten coins. That's awesome. But there was a big celebration over the one that she found because she did not have it. And I'm saying is far more important to make sure that we secure someone for eternity than to build them up, to build up the ones that already are secured for eternity. Because, like I said earlier, if that person's not secured, they're going to go to hell. They're not going to have a relationship with the Father. Um, And I'm I'm, I'm certain that you believe that, too. I'm certain that you believe that that's far more important, too. I think what the premise... I'm actually a universalist. Go read Love Wins by Rob Bell. No, We're all going to be in No, <laughs> no. No, clear, no. Joey is I, not, I, I absolutely no. agree with you, Josh. I was being facetious. I think, the, I think the angle that you're coming at it from is camp should be utilized to equip people to go out into the world and do that, right? Yes. I think the angle that I'm coming from is we should take all means possible to take advantage of that opportunity for those who are not believers there to make sure that we secure them for eternity. Yeah. Uh, and and I... 
And at the end of all this, we agree on the same thing. It's important to to reach people for Christ. I think we just have different ideas on what camp should be utilized for. Yeah, and we're all brothers in Christ. Yeah, we all worship together. We we have no qualms. Um, I. Travis, I know you had a point, but we have been recording for an hour. That's true. And I, I am going to be a short point. Okay, you can have a short point. Never mind, y'all are talking. I forgot <laughs> it. All right. I, Thanks. I would love to revisit this yeah. at another time. I, I'm not sure when. Um, next week. I was <laughs> No, not next week. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that... Um, I, just, I want to say I love you guys, and despite how this may have seemed, no, no, no. I'm not mad at you. Gosh, <laughs> I no, promise. No, no. I, I love you. Don't say the word despite. We can have these discussions because we love each other. Sure. Mm. Yeah. That is, that is a fair point. If only we had that name still. Man. Um, <laughs> I think that's a great point to Imagine. bring up. We, we can only have these conversations like this because we do love each other. Yeah. Uh, I'm very thankful for the both of you. I love you guys a lot. Um, are you trying to say something here, or are you just tapping your hand? No, I'm just tapping my hand. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I think that I think that we've, at the very least, learned a lot about each other's perspectives. Yeah, and we at this point, we basically just di- disagree on semantics. Yeah. Um, we, we agree on the end goal. We disagree on the methodology. Sure. Right? Um, it's like politics, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's trying to get rid of the debt. Democrats more taxes. Repu- uh, no, Demo- uh, what's the? <laughs> it's Republicans less taxes, more. It's it's politics, baby. Gosh, <laughs> I guess I guess that made me. Uh... Um. Anyways, that that's all we have for today. We are we are closing out on an hour long recording. I'm gonna try to edit this down. Um, probably little success. But yeah, I think that I think that we've we've learned a lot. Yes. And I think that um That's it. I don't have any other point than that. I wonder how many clips of my opinions are oh. going to be made. I've enjoyed this podcast. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> zero. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, check the social media. We're getting getting rid of the Josh clips. Oh, uh, no. I oh, I had a point. I'm sorry. <laughs> We would love to hear your responses. Yes. If okay. you have somehow suffered through this podcast for for this long, please send us a message somewhere. We'd love to know what you think. Um, maybe something that no, none of the three of us brought up that, that's yeah. important. Because yeah. um, there's definitely other perspectives than what absolutely. we have. Absolutely. There's other things we didn't get to. There's other yeah. camps that we didn't go Especially to. Especially considering the fact that we are growing up and have camps in church culture, right? We, yeah. we yeah. are in the Bible Belt. There may be other camps... California, that's not in the Bible Belt, and it's very much a lower percentage of Christians, you know? Even someone who went to one of these camps who wasn't raised Christian. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, that, that is true. Anyways. I know some people close to me. Like, we, we could close this out for another hour. So that's it. This has been the Back in the Gap podcast. Once again, I'm Joey. This is Travis and Josh, and uh, we will see you all next week.